What is up? This is Into the Friar Ramblings from the Kitchen Podcast. I am your host, Matt Hewitt. I want to welcome you all to the program this week. And I wanted to let you know I am just on fire with uh, life right now. I'm on fire with a new project that I have getting underway. And I wanted to tell you guys about it this week. So again, you're just going to get me going off shooting from the hip. Um, I do have some things that I will touch on, but I wanted to tell you about a new this new project. And the new project that I'm working on is called American Food. And it's going to be a documentary that I will be starting out on YouTube. Um, and it has to do with immigration, immigrants, and the food industry in our country. Um, over the course of my career... Uh, more often than not, I was usually one of two or three, uh, English native English speaking people in the kitchen. And that's not, um, to say that there aren't plenty of native born Americans that are working in restaurants, but throughout my career, the majority of people that I worked with. Spanish was usually their first language. Um, so a lot of people from Central South America, Mexico, all over, you name it, depending on what part of the country I was in, be it Southern California, where a majority of the people that I worked with came from Mexico, to uh, the East Coast, where a majority of the people were coming from other parts of uh, Central and South America. It... Um, the, the, those communities, uh, and those countries, um, people are leaving to come search for a better life, uh, and work hard to, um, provide for their family. Just like what I don't want to say just like, but you're born here. You have a certain privilege. You're depending on the color of your skin. You have other privileges. Um, but what I've found through the course of my 20 plus years in, in the industry is that, um, it's hard work, man. Working in restaurants is not easy. And over the last few years, uh, especially given our current administration, um, immigration has been a huge, huge topic. Uh, um, not to say that it hasn't been a huge topic in many, many, many years past, but it seems like now um, there's more uh, fear being produced and uh, more nationalism that's being talked about. Um, and I, I got to say that I get people telling me that immigrants are taking jobs that could be um, could be taken by people that are born here, people that are unemployed. And I'm of the camp that that's not necessarily the case. In fact, I would say that it's not the case at all. Um, I've found that in my time that, um, due to the fact that it is extremely hard and the conditions aren't always ideal and it's not always super rewarding, you know, you're in a pressure packed environment where 
you're only as good as the last plate of food that you produced. Um, and people are judging every single thing about the, the restaurant that you're in from the cleanliness to the, of the bathrooms to, you know, how hot were those chips when they got to my table? How quickly did, um, did the server greet me? Was my drink constantly filled? Um, you know, there's so many factors that go into what I consider a highly perishable work environment, not to mention the thin margins at which restaurants and overall food industry operates at, uh, when it comes to costs. Um, so I feel very passionate about the fact that, uh, we in the food industry need, um, need immigrant workers that are willing to do jobs that people won't. A lot of the things that I hear from from people that I know are that, well, they're taking jobs that people want or people could, you know, people that are born here could could do or will do. And the fact of the matter is that's not the case. Um, I don't know if any of you spent time working in restaurants, ever washed dishes for a shift in a busy restaurant, uh, bus tables, um, did prep work, worked on a line as a line cook. Um, it's very physically demanding and everything is pressure packed because you have to be fast and efficient and clean and so many different things when it comes to producing food in a restaurant. And I've actually hired and attempted to hire people that are born in this country, uh, educated, not educated. Um, people that are down on their luck or people with no skill, people with a lot of skill, uh, you name it. And I've come across it in my time in the restaurant business. Uh, you know, black, white, Mexican, Asian, um, you know, men, woman, it, it, it man, woman, it, it doesn't matter. The restaurants um, all have certain things in common and, I named a few of them, highly demanding, highly perishable, uh, critiqued by <laughs> every single person that comes through the door. And especially, you know, in the, in the, um, as social media and social networking crank up and get more prevalent each and every day, um, every single person that comes through your restaurant is a critic, whether they know what they're talking about, have any experience, um, just don't like it whatever the case is, you're susceptible in the restaurant industry to the opinions of others. And, and that's, it, it's very interesting how that, that works. I digress. Um, what I'm passionate about is, 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 uh, how people come from other countries for whatever reason. Uh, usually it's to make a better life for themselves and for their family, um, to do jobs that need to get done. There's always a demand for people working in restaurants. The state where I live in Utah, I think we're at about a 3% unemployment rate. And I did a lot of hiring in the last job that I was at. And in previous jobs, when I was in Southern California, where I lived, I did a lot of hiring. And a lot of times the people that were coming through the door, um, were 
virtually unemployable. Uh, I had, you know, so I would end up, not end up, but I would hire, uh, you know, Spanish speaking people from Mexico and different parts of, of Central and South America because of the track record that I had had in my previous years and the experiences that I had with people from those countries and those cultures. Um, you know, one, one story, I don't know if I related it in another episode. Uh, I had a guy, he was maybe about five foot two older gentleman, probably in his fifties. And in one of my restaurants in Southern California, we had probably about 15 to 20, three foot by five foot, um, inch thick rubber mats. They're very commonplace in restaurants. Uh, they're anti-fatigue mats and they also prevent slippage and whatnot. They're heavy and they're, um, not easy to clean. And especially in Southern California, we couldn't just take them out and spray them down, um, and get all the food waste going into the, into the drains and into the gutters and into the sewer system. So we had a very specific process that we had to, had to adhere to. And this man, um, I can't, it's been so many years and I, and I, I apologize for not remembering his name, but he would take these mats out every single night and scrub them with a deck brush with hot water and soap. Um, and then we would shake off all the debris from each mat and then he would sweep that up as best he could. And then we would take them back into the restaurant and then he would rinse them down. It's taxing, taxing work. And this guy had the biggest smile on his face out of anyone I've probably ever come across in my entire life. And he was always so happy. And one day I started speaking to him in Spanish and I asked him, Jefe, you know, how?" and I'm translating a Spanish conversation into English. So I asked him, I said, hey, how, how, how is it that you're so happy all the time? I mean, this is hard work. This is, this is taking, you know, you're, you're taking these mats out and I've care. I would help him carry them out. And I've had to do a fair share of my floor cleaning and mat cleaning coming up in, in my time. And I said, you're always so happy. You always have just this wonderful, wonderful way about you and look on your face and smile. And he started to relate to me a story about in Mexico where he was from, he worked in construction. And he was the guy that would have to carry the 50 or 100 pound bags of cement up scaffolding to, uh, to, you know, where guys were working doing masonry. And he told me, you know, this I make here, you know, in a day what I would make in a week doing this work. And so it really doesn't matter to me how hard it is because it's way better than what I had and what I was doing in Mexico. And that's just one story. That's one story of one guy in a brief, you know, three minute conversation or a three minute relay of what I, I, I came across for 20 plus years in the restaurant industry. I had guys from Oaxaca that would get five people to an apartment they all worked two or three jobs and they paid minimal amounts of rent. And then they would be sending money back to, 
you know, their homes and their families that they left, that they left in Mexico to come here to make a better living for them and life for their families. I mean, how can that, I have a hard time thinking that's wrong. Um, I also was on the flip side of things where I would hire, you know, people out of high school with no skills to come in and wash dishes or people that were down on their luck to come in and, and, and try to do work in my restaurants. And the average time that I had those people last was probably about two hours. You know, that's people that would, there's people that would work a whole shift. And then I would tell them, Hey, you know, I've got a job for you if you want it. And here's the schedule for the rest of the week. And they wouldn't show up the next day. Or I had people that would walk out, you know, two hours in, which, you know, was like the worst thing that you could do. Um, you know, you look up and you got a new dishwasher going or a new person somewhere. And, and then two hours later, you, you're looking for them and you're like, where are they? Where are they? And then one of your veteran people is like, oh, they walked out. Um, I laugh, but it it's, you know, we're conditioned in this country, unfortunately, to not want to work hard. And restaurant work is extremely hard, very physically demanding, very mentally demanding. Um, you have to be thick skinned and, and, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of like lovey dovey. I mean, it's changed, but there's not, it, it's, you're asking for stuff because you need it. Because if we don't take care of the customers, then we don't have a restaurant and we don't have a job. And that's, you know, that's the unfortunate truth of what, what goes on in restaurants. Um, whether it's unfortunate or not, I, I, you know, remains to be seen. But the fact is, is that when people go to restaurants, they ex have expectations. And if those expectations aren't met, they're going to tell people. And the more people they tell, the less likelihood that restaurant's going to stay open very long and those people won't stay employed. But the other thing that I want to talk about is, you know, the misconceptions of, of um, what happens when people start working in restaurants from, that come in you know, illegally or legally or having been granted asylum from, you know, our country because of civil unrest in theirs or whatever the case is. But so here's kind of a typical scenario of what I saw throughout my career. You have someone that would come in, apply for a job and you would tell them, okay, you need to, we don't pay cash here at this restaurant. And there are still cash operations that hire people illegally. And, but more, more so now than ever, people are doing e-verify or, they're making sure that people that come in um, are able to be put on the books. Now, you, I understand, and I will get pushback from this. I don't mind. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just telling you the reality of what happens. So someone goes down to wherever they go. They came across, for, they came across from Mexico, just for example, illegally. They risked their life, left their family because they know that there's the land of opportunity. There's more jobs here than there are there, right? They have a connection. They get a social security number. However, they get it. They get documentation. They come to your restaurant. 
They're willing to work hard. They're willing to put in the effort and you hire them. You pay them on a paycheck. All of the taxes get taken out just like me. Most of the time, they're not receiving any of that back. I mean, I don't, I I could pretty much confidently say if they came here illegally and they got a social security number from some guy down at the park that knew someone that was able to get a, produce a social security card for them, they're not getting any of that. So you have this money that's going into the system that's unaccounted for and, and not, not going to benefit anyone except the government. Do you see that there's an issue there with the argument of that they don't pay taxes and, and they're just stealing from the system? They've become part of the system. They're assimilating. They're doing what they can, whether it's, it's legal or illegal. They are um, making a living and earning money and paying taxes on that money. And they're never getting anything back for it. They're not going to get Medicare or, I mean, they, they could get, you know, uh, they could apply for Medicaid and different things like that. But like the social security that they pay into that the owner of the restaurant pays into, they're not going to see that benefit when they retire at 65. Imagine that. So not to mention the fact that if we didn't have people coming in willing to do the jobs that others aren't like work in fields and pick, uh, produce, um, sort produce, you know, work in manufacturing plants. There's it's, it's not just restaurant industry, but I know about the restaurant industry and the food industry. And so that's what I tend to talk about. But imagine, you know, janitors, maids in hotels, um, you, you know, all kinds of people that do office cleaning. Most of those jobs are being filled by people that, that came here, from other countries. Um, and again, legally or illegally, I'm not, I, I, I want to make clear that I'm not talking about the legality of it. I'm talking about the impact that if we were to stop immigration, um, into this country, that it would do such damage to our economy. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm not an economist. So I, I, I just can tell you from from seeing people that work in restaurants in the last restaurant that I worked in. Um, it doesn't, not even the last restaurant, forget I said that in most of the restaurants that I worked in, um, throughout my career, if I didn't have people from other countries working for me, we wouldn't have been able to open. We wouldn't have been able to produce food in a kitchen because you have people that were happy to be there, grateful for the opportunity and willing to do whatever it took to make sure that they kept their job secure. And I've got to tell you, the people that I met in my career, save a handful, most of the people are just awesome human beings. It's, it's really quite, um, quite amazing that I took the time to get to know so many people throughout my, throughout my restaurant career that I'm, I'm grateful and my life is better for having known them. Um, you know, I, I took the requisite amount of Spanish to graduate high school. And then when I started working in restaurants shortly thereafter, I was the only English speaking guy 
in a kitchen full of maybe eight to 10 people. And I had to learn how to speak Spanish. I had to remember, you know, certain phrases. And then I started asking, que es eso and que es esto? You know, what's that and what's this? Um, and then sticking, you know, different kinds of utensils in people's faces or getting different pieces of food and, and so that I could learn. And as I started doing that, I started to remember the verbs and I started to be able to speak rudimentary Spanish. And over the course of 20 plus years, I've been, I, I would say I'm mostly fluent in Spanish. But because I was able to do that and I made the effort when I became an executive chef, I started to speak to my guys in Spanish because it made them feel more comfortable. And as a leader, I knew that if they were comfortable, I could get better results from them and they would do a better job just because of how they felt and how they viewed me. Um, they may have not have liked the owners that they were working for uh, and that's okay. But when it came down to personal relationships, if I could communicate with them in Spanish, we could share ideas faster and easier and they felt more comfortable communicating their ideas. And, and then we were able to come up with something great. It, it's, I just, I, I am very, very passionate about immigration and, and immigrant workers in, in the restaurant industry. And that's what the topic I wanted to be of this, uh, of this podcast that I'm doing today is. And so I want to tell you about this project that I'm undertaking with a couple of friends of mine. The project is going to be a documentary into the lives and struggles of immigrant workers in the food industry. And it's going to be called American food. And I came up with that name because I think that the misconception, I don't know, you know, my head tells me that the misconception of people of diners is that they see a white guy as the chef and they think, man, he's awesome. Look at all this food he produced. What a chef does and what I used to do was I was a coordinator of talent and a coordinator of time. I would, I, I had to, I went through different paces and different courses in my career, um, different stages to get to where I got. And it was a lot of hard work and a lot of hard effort. And that it allowed me to achieve a level where I could build teams and I could pass on knowledge. And as I built teams and passed on knowledge, I then became a, a coach more than a player. And, and what, um, what I noticed is that it takes, I, I mean, it takes a definite team effort, you know, from the person that receives the order in the morning and, and properly rotates stock. So we're serving fresh product and fresh produce and that our sauces and salsas and uh, mise en place are fresh, it, it takes a coordinated effort of a large number of people to do that. <clears throat> so I've seen, I've worked with guys, I've seen guys come in as dishwashers, move into prep, move into the garmanger area, which is the, you know, that would be considered the pantry, salads and dessert making. Um, to line cooks, to sous chefs, to guys that have gone all the way to executive chefs. I mean, to discount someone's, to discount someone, a person, because of where they came from and they're not from the country that you're from, 
is is, is ridiculous. So anyway, I, I can I I you can I hope you can hear the passion in my voice because I'm getting like really worked up as I as I talk about this topic. So American food is going to be highlighting people from different countries, different origins, um, you know, their personal struggles, how they came here, why they came here, and really meant to shed the light on the people behind the chefs, the people behind the cuisine, the people that are making your food that you're eating on a daily basis, whether it be freaking McDonald's or, you know, a fine dining steakhouse. I would venture if you peeked your head into any kitchen across the country and across, across our country and across America that you would find a majority of the people that are working behind the scenes are not from the United States and why it goes back to they're willing to work. They're willing to put their head down. They're willing to grind, you know, and, and this is, this is, I, I would say if you, you took a survey, I don't know what the percentages would be, but where I live, it's a mix. You go to, you go to, you know, go to a Mexican restaurant. It's going to be all, all people probably from Mexico and, and other Central and South American countries go, you know, you go to a steakhouse. Uh, I have, I have, you know, people that I know, um, that are executive chefs that have a mix. There are people that work in different parts of the state that have, you know, their entire staff is, is made up of, of people that were born here. And, 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 I, and all of those are okay. But for me, I want to tell the stories and the struggles and uh, have people get to know the people that I worked with. It won't necessarily be people that I worked with, but I'm saying get to know the people that are behind the, the food that you're eating so that you can start to view them as people because there, to me, there's only one race. There's only one global race and it's the human race. It's not, it's not Mexican. It's not Chinese. It's not Japanese. It's not Argentinian. It's none of those. It's not American. It's the human race. We're all in this thing together. You know, and, and that's, that's like, that's what is, is driving me currently. I found this, this fire and this passion and, um, I've had it on the back burner for a little while and I had a meeting, uh, over, you know, on, on Sunday, uh, the, whatever day it was, um, Sunday, the 14th with a couple of friends of mine, um, that are going to work with me on this project. And I am fucking so hyped about this. I, I can't tell you enough. I, I think that by the time that we're through, and I said this to them yesterday, you know, we, I think we're on the verge of something really special. And I, 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 I don't know why I feel that maybe it's because I feel so strongly about this particular subject or the particular group of people that are within an industry. Um, but I want to shed some light to the people that have never worked in restaurants or don't know enough about what's going on in our food industry and food culture in America 
so that you can start to see the human aspect behind everything that is done and let you know that, you know, it's, I would hope to, that you might see this documentary or this, this series or this short film that we're going to put together and that you, you start to get an idea of like, wow, yeah, we are all in this together and, and it does take, you know, a concerted group effort of many different people across many different cultures to make restaurants happen. Um, you know, the bottom line for me is that it's, it's, it's important to me. And I, I hope that, um, through the course of what we do with American food, that you will, uh, come to, to get an understanding and, and appreciation for, um, for what, what's happening in our restaurants and in our country. And I, and I think maybe you'll change, you know, if I could change one person's mind, then I think I've done it, done my job. But my thought is that it will change many minds and maybe I'll start more controversy. I don't know, but I am setting out on this journey with American food, uh, a documentary project to, um, to really shed light on, on what's happening in our country and in our restaurants. I think, uh, I hope that you enjoy the journey and I will be podcasting still with getting chefs, um, getting restaurant people. Get, uh, I will also be, um, doing this project simultaneously. Uh, gosh, I wish I had more. I could, I, well, I do have more. Um, I could ramble on, needlessly for probably a couple of hours on the subject, but that's about all I got today. So if you like what I'm doing, I appreciate that. Show some support, you know, go on your place where you listen to the podcast, give a, give a review, um, give us some stars, do whatever. Um, remember that I'm, I have friarpod.com, the website where you can get blog posts, vlog posts and all of these podcasts um, i'm on social media uh, twitter friarpod f-r-y-e-r-p-o-d on twitter same uh same handle on instagram um, started doing some stuff uh, recently on igtv so um, remember that we're also on on every major net uh, every major outlet i think we're on about eight nine, 10 outlets, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can get this one. Um, man, thanks for joining me. Stay tuned for this exciting, exciting journey. Uh, we're starting on this project the week after Easter. Um, so, oh God, I'm just so stoked. I'm so stoked. I hope that you guys can get pick up, pick up on this. And go check it out when I start putting it up on YouTube. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Peace.